And what a better place to go out dancing than church, right? If you can, open up your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And um, all of you by now should have, and I, I could be wrong, hopefully you got the Faith Principles booklets. Did everyone get them? Who did not get one yet? Oh boy. Okay, um, there, we brought a bunch here, enough for everybody. We took the box and we put it in storage, but I think all the booklets were taken, from what I understand. Is that correct? Oh well. We'll try to get you more. We're going to be printing them this week, and so because we need to send some to downtown. But um, So if you didn't get one, sorry you won't have a booklet to follow along in. But today, to help us out, um, we also have on our um, bulletins, the Mad Libs fill in the blank sermon. I sure hope I can do this long term because people have found them helpful. Yes. They take a lot of time. But we'll work on it together. How does that sound? What we're going to do today is we're starting off a series. And this is a series to really pull our ministry together, get us all on the same page. And it's called Faith Principles. It's to teach us and to review and solidify as a fellowship our core convictions about faith. Does that sound good? So there will be quizzes, there'll be lots of other things, and what we're going to do today is we're going to do a lesson for everyone here, and then if you're visiting with us, you, you have a chance to stick around. We're going to break up into smaller groups after the communion, or if you need to head out, you can head out, but then we'll continue on after the Lord's Supper. But we're going to start off with a little lesson before the Lord's Supper. Please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Why are we doing faith principles? In 1 Timothy chapter 4... God tells us pretty clearly why. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible simply reads, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. And it says, you know, you got to work hard. You'll be diligent in these matters. We're going to talk about what these matters are in a second, but if you want to know a little bit, we look at verse 16. It says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now it's interesting because it tells us to watch two things, our life and our doctrine. And it says persevere in them. Why? Because watching our life and doctrine, if you look at line one, is a matter of our personal salvation. Watching our life and doctrine is a matter of our personal salvation. Did you know that? You see, there are many, many churches out there. And if we're not careful, we can look more like the many, many churches rather than look like the church in the Bible. And the Bible actually says, hey, it's not enough that you acknowledge Jesus is Lord. It's not enough if your head and your heart really believe in Jesus and wow, Jesus is Lord. I love God. I love Jesus. You can say it all you want. But if your life isn't there, your salvation is at stake. Secondly, it says watch your doctrine. It doesn't say just believe and think and feel about Jesus. It says you've got to know what the Bible says. And it says in verse 15, be diligent in these matters. It says in verse 16, persevere in them. You know why the Bible says persevere? Because doing it is hard. You don't have to persevere with easy things. If I said, would you like a bowl of your favorite ice cream? You'll say, sure. I go, can you eat it? Sure. Would you need to persevere? Not at all. 
You don't persevere when you're binge watching Netflix. You don't go, you don't go to work and say, man, I made it through. Some of you do, right? But you understand, those of us who do, you know what? Our threshold has, of pain has dropped, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's interesting because it says, be diligent in these matters. Diligent means hardworking. What, what are these matters? Turn to verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. In chapter 4, verse 1, says, The Spirit, Spirit clearly says in, that in later times someone will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. You see, in verses 1 and 2, and we're going to see this in all of 1 Timothy, the whole book, Paul is training a young minister. And the thing he hits hard from the first chapter to the last is this thing called false doctrine. And he says, one day there will be teachings that are false, that are taught by demons, they come through hypocritical liars. And the thing we need to understand, that we abandon the faith, line three, we abandon the faith when we start following false doctrine. We abandon the faith when we follow false doctrine. And so we need to be diligent in sticking to true doctrine. Do you understand that? You see, sometimes they go, well, I'm living a good life, that matters. How do you know if your life is actually good if you don't understand right doctrine? That's right. And it's so important to be grounded in what the Word says, and we've got to be people who are really, really fighting for that. This is what the book of 1 Timothy emphasizes. Go to chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. This is the beginning of the book. We'll even jump to the end of this book, and you'll see it's bookended by this notion, hey, true doctrine matters. Chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. This is how it begins. Or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work which is by faith. You see, God's work is by faith. That's why we're studying faith principles. But it says, what's the goal of this command in verse 5? The goal of this command is what? Love. You know, this is a little technique we're, we're, we're going to be learning today. This is not just for ourselves. We need to be equipped. The Bible commands us to teach others here. To command others not to teach false doctrines any longer. And you see, the goal of this command is, here's the technique, love. Sometimes when you're talking to people, you're studying the Bible with people, have them fill in the blank. Well, the goal of the command is? The goal of the command is? Yeah, there you go. It just makes me, makes me certain you're with us today, right? The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere what? Faith. Guess what? Love comes from our faith. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. We live out our faith by loving like Christ. True doctrine is living out our faith by loving like Christ. That's literally what the goal is of the command of teaching true doctrine. To tell people that they need to focus on loving like Jesus by living out their faith. 
You see, the book here in 1 Timothy is really warning us about false doctrine. Go to verse 18. It says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well. This is a fight. This is a battle. Are you equipped? Holding on to, a, to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. When you abandon false doctrine, when you abandon true doctrine, when you adopt false doctrine, you shipwreck your faith. Let's go to chapter 6, verse 20. Remember, that was the beginning of this book. How does it end? At the very end, chapter 6, verse 20. In chapter 6, verse 20, it says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and so doing have departed from the faith. Once again, stick to true doctrine. This is why we are studying faith principles. We must be grounded in what is true doctrine. Line 7 False doctrine is a serious threat. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 6. In chapter 4, verse 6, you see, there are people that we need to command not to teach false doctrine, but in chapter 4, verse 6, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. You know, we also need to help each other out too. Amen. See, a lot of us, we have allowed each other to drift from true doctrine. And we need to be people in each other's lives and saying, hey, wait a second, what bonds a church? I'm telling you, the building doesn't bond us. I'm telling you, even our ethnicity shouldn't bond us. Our socioeconomic status shouldn't bond us. And if you look at churches these days, they bond together by music, style, ethnicity, um, money, or geography. But what should bond us? Our doctrine. It says, if you work with each other, if you help each other out spiritually. Line 8, taking false doctrine seriously shows that we are nourished on the truths of the faith. We're not helping each other out too much because we're too malnourished. And we need to be feeding our faith. How healthy is your faith? Let's go on to verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths or, and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for this life, for both the present life and the life to come. It says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. You know, it's interesting, in verse 7, it says, train yourselves. To be godly. 
Because godliness has value for all things. I want you to understand, you grow and you solidify and you strengthen your faith, it's going to have value for all things. One of the big convictions we have as a church is that we study the Bible and we get close to God and we obey God not to earn anything, but it's really for our benefit. To be godly has value for all things. Did you know if you're a godly man or a woman today, it has value for you today? Many of us were going, oh, I want to be godly because tomorrow God's going to get me a new car. I'm going to be godly today because tomorrow God's going to give me friends I never had before. No, being godly has value for all things right now, today. It's a blessing in and of itself. But it says here we got to train ourselves to be godly. With that in mind, in verse, ten, not verse, line ten, we need to be, and this is what we need to bring in to our faith principles for this month. We need to be self-motivated. What makes the church awesome of this if if is if we are all in. So I want to say, you know, train yourselves. This is not just me training you. It's also you training yourself. And then we're going to talk a little bit about us training each other after our break. In verse 10 of chapter 4, he says, this, That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in God. And if you look at line 11 in your notes, I just want us to focus right now, and this is something we need all to, we need all to do as a fellowship. In line 11, I want us to understand that hard work is needed to learn faith principles. Paul says this is why we labor and strive. You know, our theme this year is aspire. That means strive. Labor, perseverance, diligence. If anyone tells you a walk with God is easy, they're not walking with God. If anyone tells you holding on to true doctrine is easy, they're not holding on to true doctrine. We're going to talk later on as we study these out. We're going to talk. There's a study that we do called Faith of the Few. Because biblical faith is not mass faith. So we need to work hard. Let's go to Mark 12, chapter 12 before we take the Lord's Supper. Now you know me, I like to goof around when we're preaching. But I'm just trying to make it through the notes. The notes kind of restrict having a little fun. But you know, you kind of think, does, does the Bible have something against like old wives? Because like, you know, like, oh, have nothing to do with old wives' tales. Like, you know, what does that mean? Anyways, Mark chapter 12. It's kind of rude, right? You know? Fortunately, my wife isn't old, but, you know, what's that? One day, day, you know, was it? She she hits a certain age and we can't listen to what she has to say. That's kind of rude, right? Mark chapter 12. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as old wife. Yeah, that's why. That's right. There's no such thing as an old wife. There you go. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And what we see here is that faith, like love, involves mind, heart, and strength working together. I want you to understand that this is the core principle. For us as a church, if you want to gain wisdom in how to help people, if you want to gain great faith, if you want to live out Christ-like love, this is the concept, the core principle that we hold on to that I want us to make sure we are getting here. That when it comes to love, you've got to invest your mind, your heart, and your strength. You go, what about your soul? The Greek word for soul is psyche. Did you know that? Well, we get the word psychology. Yourself. You've got to love God with your whole self. You go, that's cool. But you know, what are we made of? How we think, how we feel, and what we do. Our mind, our heart, and our strength. Is that clear? And so when we are working with each other, as we're growing spiritually, as we're helping each other out spiritually, we're just trying to figure out how does our mind, heart, and strength work together to love God and to love others as we love ourselves. And so when it comes to faith, let's look at line 15. I want you to think about how these three, these three interact, and we'll use these terms interchangeably, so I just want us to get down and, and understand this right now. We talk about our mind. A lot of times we're going to talk about our thoughts. When we talk about our mind, we talk about our thoughts. How did we think? One of the biggest ways our thoughts trap us and confuse us is we make assumptions when we really shouldn't. But another way, when it comes to getting saved, we call that hearing the word. Because we hear the word to transform our minds. So you see on line 15, mind, thoughts, hearing. Well, about line 16, when we talk about our hearts, what are we talking about? Our emotions. And emotions matter. Some people try to make emotions a bad thing. In Christianity, some of us in our Christian background, we go, oh, you know, just you've got to repress your emotions, deny your emotions. No, you've got to learn how to work with your emotions. And so, in, in, in the Bible, when it talks about salvation, we need to believe in our hearts. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And so we call that believing. Where we engage our hearts. And guess what? In, in line 17, we talk about loving God with all our strength. And practically speaking, that means our actions. And we call that, when we're studying the Bible with people, obeying. So when we are looking at what is true salvation, it's hearing the word, believing in our hearts, and obeying with our strength. Is that clear? When we're working with each other, usually when we're out of line or we're not doing well spiritually, one of those three things are in whack. And maybe our mind has forgotten what God has taught us. Maybe our hearts have gotten cold. Maybe we just need to jump start and do something and then it gets our minds and our hearts going again. You've done that before, right? Get your wife flowers and then you'll feel better about her. Don't wait till you feel better about her. 
You know, some things, you know, things like that, you just do it, and all of a sudden your heart gets there too. But when we're out of whack spiritually, sometimes when we're talking to each other, okay, let's go. Does, does your mind know what the Bible says? You go, yeah, we know what the scriptures are. Okay, so your heart and your life isn't there yet. Let's figure this out. Does that sound good? All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to pray for the Lord's Supper, and then I'm going to have us take a little break, and then we're going to pass out the syllabus for faith principles, and we're going to go over that to make sure we know what we're doing for the next number of weeks. Let's bow our heads and get our minds, hearts, and our strength in line with Jesus as we take the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care about us, our whole being, our whole self, that you really are concerned about how we love and how we live out our faith. And thank you that we have the opportunity to take the bread and break it and just connect with how Jesus gave his full strength for us. That out of his love and out of his knowledge of your plan, he laid down his life. As we take the fruit of the vine, help us to rejoice in just the great results, freedom, growth, strength, and resurrection we have through the blood of Christ. And let us be forever grateful and forever excited to learn more about how to live out our faith by loving like you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love your neighbor as your brother. Love, love, love. Joy. Joy, joy, joy.